This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you, whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives. You'll find it all here. If you need medical attention and don't get it, the consequences could be life-changing or life-ending. That's why specialized medical air services are so crucial, often the difference between life and death. We spent some time with a dedicated team of people whose single driving force is to save lives. Can you hear me, Claire? I can. Well, then we're flying. That's the control cyclic connector on the other side there. Pedals. Do not touch, please. <laughs> it's a hot summer's day in Johannesburg, and I'm about to take off from the airfield at Rand Airport. Medic 1 is in and secure, and passengers are secure. We are ready to lift. We're spending our day with Rocket Helicopter Emergency Medical Services. It's a quiet afternoon, so I've been invited up in the chopper for a bird's eye view. Next to me is Craig Coleman. He's been an emergency response pilot for over a decade. Uh, I can't lie. Uh, The fact that you and your crew are in a position to help people in need is pretty special. So tell me, what are the unique differences between flying emergency services and then normal helicopter flights? Uh, emergency services is usually operated uh, at a slightly faster pace. You need to be uh, quite, quite aware of the weather at all times, your fuel planning, to make sure that the crews are kept safe and yourself and the aircraft. Uh, we uh, we don't particularly like going out and creating a second emergency from lack of planning. In the back seat is paramedic Dion de Clerc. It's tight quarters in there. Does that make the job a bit more difficult, Dion? It has its challenges, Claire. Um, not only do we have a limited space to work, but we, we lose our sense of, of touch. So we're unable to feel pulses. Uh, we lose our, our, our ears, so we're unable to check air entry. Dion and a second paramedic are in charge of the patient all the way to the hospital bed. How do patients react? Do, do they have a sense of what's going on around them when you treat them? The same. No, we, we try our best to calm and reassure our patients if they are conscious and we'll have them on headsets because uh, any additional stress could obviously worsen their condition. Uh, it's time to step in, eh, Dion? There's no warning lights. It's for the landing. The privately funded rocket crew is on standby 24-7 to respond to medical emergencies around the country. And the helicopter I've just hitched a ride in is no ordinary chopper. So is this like just an ambulance in the sky? It's more than that. It's more like an ICU in the sky. And as if an ICU and an ambulance service have married and had babies. Dion decided to become a paramedic when he was just 16 and working as a volunteer firefighter. 
One day I was at an accident scene and a helicopter came in with a paramedic and they jumped out and I thought, no, this was for me. What would you then say you need to have to be successful at this job? We are such a, a mixed bunch, you know, we've got highly academic individuals, we've got some really practical individuals that, that do this. And I think it's really about the passion at the end of the day. Listen, two things you haven't mentioned, being able to work well under pressure and not being afraid of heights. <laughs> we only function under pressure. You should see me in a, at, a, at a pizza shop trying to, trying to order a pizza. Without that pressure, I'm, I'm a dead loss. I'm in the hangar from which Rocket HEMS operates. It's the largest twin-engine helicopter ambulance fleet on the continent, and it's an impressive sight. I think there's well over 6,000 flying hours of experience here in terms of HEMS, which is Helicopter Emergency Medical Services. Björn Gassenhoven is Rocket's Chief Operations Officer. It's no standard corporate gig. You are problem solving on another level. Because if we're getting called, it's absolutely critical. We're not flying a broken leg. That's obviously for us is, is our passion. We do that well, so we're quite chuffed with that. In South Africa, vast distances and inaccessible terrain can mean an air ambulance is the only way to reach a patient in time. We've seen areas in the Northern Cape that are not accessible by ambulance anymore because there's complete road infrastructure collapse. You can't get there. So the only way to get there is by air. When an ambulance can reach patients by road, it's at the disadvantage of having to take them to the nearest facility. They technically could spend longer in that hospital to recover because the skill is not there or they have to be transferred later. With a helicopter, you can do in a shorter time period, fly almost into another province where that expertise exists and deliver the patient there for the right care. At headquarters, the day crew is wrapping up the shift and the night crew has arrived for handover. Ah, oh, here's the guys. Hey, how's it? How are you? Welcome to the night shift. Like a, like a. You boys ready? Yes, yes, yes. Let's take it on. Chopper we're on is REV. All good. Uh, no snags. So we're good to go. All right, and it's yours. Flasse. It's getting darker and the shift change has happened. Now the crew are doing pre-flight checks. Now we wait to see what the night holds. And the wait continues. Yes, sometimes it gets busy. I've flown from five o'clock and I would get back when the sun rises. But mostly it is a sitting and a waiting game. Werner Fender is one of two pilots on night duty, double the daytime roster. Rocket's night duty pilots wear night vision goggles to look out for obstacles, so the more eyes peel for danger, the better. My work as, as a pilot is to get my crew there safe and back, plus the patients, obviously. But my, my first concern is my crew and the helicopter. So we're now killing time together. What do you guys do while we're waiting for time? Are we supposed to take a nap or have a coffee? What's going on now? Yeah, we sit around, have coffee, enjoy, enjoy our, our colleagues. It's up to a point where we're really going to go to bed and, and just try to get some shut-eye. <laughs> One person who isn't going to get any shut-eye tonight is flight dispatcher Daniel Capers. Just give him a few more minutes and then I'm going to give him a call back, see if we can get feedback. If we can establish the injuries, you know, if they could drive... I can't drive this, uh, cars are Six people have reportedly been injured in a car accident in Mozambique. 
Daniel and Werner are gaming out a response. I think the best plan would be, depending uh, on the distance, is to try to get them to Nelspruit. We can offer assistance immediately. Seconds later, a call comes through. Okay, great. And then they'll take it further from there. Will you keep me updated? Stand down. The team won't be flying this time, but Daniel will spend his night fielding reports like this one. Hello, can I join you? Most definitely. <laughs> the flight desk is responsible for activating the crew and for the information they rely on to execute a successful mission. When the team is out there, um, do you feel like in some way you are also there? Or Most definitely, you... yeah. We're still receiving information. We're keeping hospitals updated. We've got to arrange ground services to help. So in a way, we are there. Without us, nothing, nothing is going to happen. So I've actually met the real man in charge tonight, There we Danny. go. There we go. <laughs> There's an old saying about the life of a soldier being 99% boredom and 1% pure terror. This job is not all that different. While these guys might spend most of their shift waiting around drinking coffee, when the call comes, it's all systems go. Time is always of the essence. An average week involves anything from an inter-hospital transfer to a domestic emergency or a pile-up on a national highway. In the week we visited, paramedic Michael Dollenberg helped transfer a two-month-old infant to a hospital where the baby would receive necessary care for a severe respiratory infection. There was great teamwork between the nursing staff, the doctors and ourselves. It was actually one of the most phenomenal cases. This baby was successfully transferred, but not every case ends happily. Managing the family's expectations is a big part of the job. Being able to bring them in before you sedate a patient to say, come and give granddad a kiss, come and say goodbye. If possible, it's something you should be doing. That may be the last time that family member gets to see their loved one alive. Dealing with people at their most vulnerable can take a toll on the crew as well. Anybody who thinks that you can come out the other side, shrug it off and carry on for the day is sorely mistaken. It's a challenge everyone deals with differently. When you see some bad stuff, um, you work through it and you decide whether this is, is this really for you, if not, and you carry on. It's late and we are alone in this big hangar. The crew have gone their separate ways and have settled in for the night. We've had no call-outs this evening, but there are a few long hours ahead. Whatever happens, they'll be ready and waiting. Truly remarkable work. We hope that should you see an emergency helicopter zipping through the air, you'll have renewed appreciation for what these medical heroes do to save a life. Remember, you can now access Carte Blanche stories anytime, anywhere, even offline. Carte Blanche, the podcast, is now available on all major podcast platforms. So be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button and be part of our growing online family.